I'm going to share something briefly with us because I feel like I need to. Not that we, not that we have to have something after that, but I do feel like um, there's a word that the Lord's given me that I just want to share. And kiddos, I'm going to keep you in here because that will make me hurry. So, no, kiddos, I'm asking you to stay in here because you probably need to hear it too. Um, we're going to gather back together tonight at 5, and I don't necessarily have an agenda. Uh, I just asked Colton and Ryan to be ready to go, but we're going to come and we're going to wait on the Lord. And it's kind of like what I said at the front end of the meeting. If Jesus is stirring something, if he's doing something right now, then I want to get in on it. And the only way that I know to get in on it is to rearrange my schedule so that I actually do something more than just say, oh, yeah, Jesus, that's really cool what you're doing over there, right? We rearrange our schedule and we say, hey, I believe you can do it here. And I'm not promising... I can't promise that anything will happen. That's the thing about a move of God. We, we don't control the move of God, but we can position ourselves, I believe. I think the way we do that is gathering together to pray and to seek him, um, to tarry in his presence. Is that an old school word, tarrying, lingering? But, but it seems like that's what the Lord's um, desiring from his people right now. And... Uh, I, I look at I look at what the Lord's doing, and I am. I told Wednesday night prayer meeting. I, I said, "Man, I am just giddy about what God is doing," um, because I've I've told you on more than one occasion. I don't want to just read about these historic revivals. I want to live in one. And guys, what we're seeing every everything I've ever heard of like historic type revivals. Like, this has, like, all the makeup. And I'm not saying that it will end up being that, but I'm saying it has all the hallmarks of what I've seen when I've studied revivals of people just spontaneously coming together and, and, and pursuing God. Like, it has the hallmark of that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm just saying, Lord, I want in on it. And if you want in on it, I hope you'll be here tonight at five and we'll just seek the Lord. Um, there is one testimony that I read. I guess Wilmore, Kentucky is not a big town, uh, but a guy had gone to the meetings and he was at the gas station and uh, there was a Sikh gas attendant there. Uh, Sikh is kind of their uh, India, kind of in the vein of Hinduism, but a little bit different. But he was just talking about how since the revival had kicked off, he had been overwhelmed by the presence of love. And he asked the guy, do you think it would be all right if I went to those meetings? Because the presence of God was stirring something in him. And he said, it's not just all right for you to go. You need to go. Like, it, it's one of those things where the spirit of God isn't just hovering over the auditorium. It's hovering over this entire town. And so I'm just thankful for what the Lord what the Lord's doing, and if he can do it there, he can do it here. And I, I have to admit, uh, during my prayer time, I'm rambling. I may talk longer than I thought, but kids, don't run away. Um, during my prayer time, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I felt the Lord challenged me on was, well, James, what if, because I heard this, 
I think it's true. I heard that OBU sent a couple of professors and 10 students to, to, uh, to what's going on in Asbury. And I just felt the Lord kind of say, hey, uh, what if it doesn't happen in your church? What if it happens over there at Rayleigh Chapel? And, and you know, to be honest, there was something in me that wanted to go, Lord, I really want it to happen here. I, w- I want it here. But then I thought, no, Lord, wherever. And if it's at Rayleigh Chapel or at First Baptist Emmanuel, I, I don't care what the name is. If what's happening there starts happening here, yes, Jesus. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Um, and, and man, and I'm, I'm just thinking like, we know, we know that before Jesus returns, okay, we can get caught up in all the bad stuff that's supposed to happen before Jesus returns, but there's actually a couple really good things that are supposed to happen before Jesus returns too. And one is that there's going to be a bride that's without spot or blemish. There's going to be a radiant church that is so full of fire that they reach the rest of the nations with the gospel message. As, as far as I can tell... Right? Not every nation has the gospel yet. And I believe one of the things that, that the Lord wants to do in this hour is to raise up a bride that will take his goodness to the rest of the world. And then I think he's going to come. And I was thinking, you know, we talk about the end times, and I think that conjures up like, you know, devils and bad stuff and antichrist and 666 and all that stuff. And I just thought, you know what? When I think of the end times, I'm done thinking bad times, and I'm thinking best times. I'm thinking best times because I believe that the Lord's going to do something unprecedented. I do believe that, yes, there's going to be falling away, but there's also going to be what we're seeing at Asbury and at Lee and at Northern Kentucky and at Cedarsville, all these places. Like, we're going to see a remnant, a church rise that is in love with Jesus and that doesn't need, like, all this stuff to get them Guys, the, just the little clips I've seen of the meetings, they're just in a, a, a chapel with hardly any technology, and it's a piano, and it's a guitar, and it's a box drum, and, and they don't need all the stuff. Do you understand what I'm seeing in, in the hearts of these young people, the, these, these, these like 17 to 20-year-olds? They don't need the show. They don't need the laser lights. What they do need is the presence of Jesus, and that's what they've found there. And I'll tell you what, why don't we like just rearrange everything around that? Say, Jesus, we just want you. We just want you. And we'll wait for you until you come. And, and here's where, if you've been raised in church and if you're theologically minded, you can go, well, Jesus is, is like omnipresent because God is everywhere. There is a huge difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. One, you can believe in theory. The other one's an encounter that changes your life forever. I'm telling you, I've had that encounter for myself. So I'm not coming back together for me tonight. I'm coming back together for these. These right here. For you that hasn't had the encounter yet, I'm coming tonight. Not not because I need something, but because I believe there's a lot of people that they still need to have a touch from Jesus. And so we'll wait and we'll tarry. And we'll see what the Lord wants to do. And, and those of us that have had those encounters with Jesus, I think it's imperative for us to lead the way in setting an atmosphere where people can encounter Jesus through our worship, 
through us loving him. I'm not saying that means you need to be standing on your seat screaming. But I'm saying you need to be going after Jesus. We need to be going after Jesus. Okay. I haven't even started saying what I want to say yet. But I'm saying some stuff that needs to be said. Guys, let's not, let's not, let's not miss it. Let's, let's get some of that. Let's get some of that. Blind Bartimaeus on us. Jesus, son of David, don't pass me by. Don't pass Shawnee by. Don't pass OBU by. Don't pass these young ones by. Don't, don't pass me by, Lord. You're moving. Don't pass me by. Mm. I want to read this, this text, and then maybe I'll skip down. But the text for this morning that I, that I wanted to share with you is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that we had studied a couple weeks before I left. And Jesus ends his sermon with these words. And I think it's, it's pretty powerful what he says. He says, everyone then, this is Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. You know what's amazing to me? (laughs) From like what, beginning of 2020 through now, it feels like there's been wind and storm and rain and it's just kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. But we found that there's still a rock, huh? There's still a rock that we can stand on. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he's teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. There's two really interesting things here that you should know. This parable is actually not original to Jesus. This was a parable that Jewish rabbis would use, and they used it of the Torah. They would say, a wise man builds his house on the Torah, and the winds will come, and the rains will come, and the floods will come. And whoever builds his house on the Torah, their life will stand. And Jesus just offended a bunch of Jewish people and said, whoever hears these words of mine, this is whose life will stand. Whoever hears and does these words of mine. We have got to quit separating hearing the word and doing the word. We've got, pretend, we've got to stop pretending like it's enough just to come and hear a sermon on Sunday and then not do anything with it the rest of the week. It's hearing and doing. Here's, here was kind of the biggest thing that stood out to me in this text. Your life is either being built to stand or it's being built to collapse right now. That's what Jesus said. You are building a life. You, you are. 
you are building life. And it's either being built to stand or it's being built to collapse. Because Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He says, in your life, rain's gonna come, bloods are gonna come, winds are gonna come. Stuff is gonna come at you. And you're either building a life that will stand through that or you're building a life that's gonna fall apart when it comes. The storm is coming. And the choices that you're making right now, my old preacher had this saying, I've shared it with you before, and I'll share it again today. The choices you're making right now are determining whether your future is gonna be your friend or your enemy. Your choices. Your choices. And that's the cost of freedom. That you can choose wisdom or you can choose foolishness. The cost of freedom is this. God will let you build your house on the sand. He won't force you to build your house on the rock. You can choose wisdom. You can choose folly. I think the sand that people build their lives on are... It tells us in Scripture. 1 John 2, verse 16. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I just like how this uh, verse read from there. But this, this is the same thing. 2,000 years ago, people were trying to build their lives on these things, and it caused their lives to collapse. 2,000 years later, people are still trying to build their lives on these things, and it collapses every time. Let me read you what it says. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. What's the sand people build their lives on? Oh, I can, this will make me feel good quick right now. It's what the addict builds their life on. Quick pleasure. Right? It's it's what the person who goes from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another relationship. No real connection, but just pleasure. Craving for physical pleasure. Craving for the things that we see. Do you you understand that we we live in a world that is so good at making you crave what you see? Man, you're constantly being bombarded with images, with advertising, with stuff that says, if you just had this, it would scratch that itch. You'd feel better. You'd feel fulfilled. And pride. These are the three things. Craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, or lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And this is what it says. The pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they come from the world. Lust and pride. You can boil it down to those two things. And every time we try to build our life on a pursuit of something outside of Jesus, it's going to fall. Anything we pursue outside of Jesus will leave you empty. Always, every time. Every time. And life built on the sand will collapse. At some point, it will. But there's a life that can be built on the rock. And uh, there's a cross-reference. Luke, Luke kind of shares this story in a little different way. And I like how it read. Luke chapter 6, verses 47 to 48 says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I like that part that said he dug deep. He dug deep, and when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house, and could, it could not shake it because it had been built well. To build your life well, you're going to have to do some digging. 
You're going to have to pursue the Lord. Right? Why is it easy to build, build our lives on the sand? Because that's just what's right there in front of us. It's like, it's not smart. I, I don't know anything about construction, but I know this. You don't just lay a foundation on topsoil. It's bad. I know that. And if you didn't know that, let me educate you today. Talk to Keith after service or Johnny. They can share more. But <clears throat> I, I tell you, don't, don't, don't build on top. You got to dig. I know you have to dig. And, and, I, and I'm afraid. Here, here's where I want to get. And then we'll pray and then we can leave. Um, but I'm afraid. Listen, the grace of Jesus is free. The grace of Jesus is free. You, you didn't do anything to deserve him going to the cross and laying down his life for you. But we spend the rest of our lives pursuing him after that. Even, even Paul, he said, it, he said it like this. He's saying at the end of his life, Paul's writing to the Philippians. He's in a jail. He's been serving the Lord for years and you know what he says about his relationship with Jesus? I haven't obtained anything yet, but I keep pursuing the upward call of God in Christ. If Paul didn't have it yet, I don't have it yet. If Paul didn't have it yet, you don't have it yet. If that makes you mad, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you today. You don't have it yet, but there's something worth digging. And I want to spend the rest of my life Digging, pursuing, going after Jesus. I believe I've found a firm foundation, but I believe there's further that I can go. I believe there's depths I haven't gone yet. I believe that there's more that he has for me yet. And so I'm going to keep digging. Because I want a life that when the storm comes, it stands. Amen? Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?